Welcome to our Just 20 podcast brought to you by sportstalk.ie. Denise O'Flaherty joins us on the show today to describe what it's like to be a sports journalist under the current climate. We'd like to thank our show sponsors, Medell Healthcare, experts in health screening both in Ireland and Europe. Check out medellhealthcare.com. Currently, no sports and therefore no sports journalism. The, uh, how are you coping both financially and mentally with the, the lack of sport? It's weird, you know, mentally it's your job and you're wondering, you know, when it's all going to end that's the big thing it's the when is it going to end um, no disrespect to people who don't like sport but I don't know how to do it not having it on the television or even going to I know it's my job but even on my days off or if I didn't have work I would go down to our local park and watch our underage teams playing like under 12s or under 14s or minors or whatever and, and I miss that the good weather is definitely helping um, I like to read and I'm reading so many crime books, it's unreal. My mother reckons I'll be able to plan the perfect crime because of all these books. And I've also become an auntie from the first, for the first time. I have yet to see my little nephew, Liam, but my brother and his fiance send us pictures and we do video calls. So that's definitely one thing that uh, is keeping um, us going uh, during these times. Financially, um, I'm lucky at the moment, you know, with, with money. Um, my brother reckons I've still got my communion money. I've always saved and I always save for a rainy day. So I'm not really worried financially wise uh, yet, but uh, mentally wise as the weeks do go on and um, as lockdown has been extended, I do question when is it all going to end? And that's the big thing that's run through my head. For people that might be up in the sports journalism world, what's a regular week like for a sports journalist? It all depends. I'm I'm self-employed and I'm a freelancer, so it depends on what work is around. The last couple of months, obviously, with schools matches, I've been very busy. I could have a schools match on a Monday, go one of a Thursday and one of a Friday. And then, obviously, then weekend, there would be inter-county matches and soccer matches. And then on Mondays then, or Tuesday night, I would have recorded my podcast so as the days go by to the weekends and that you don't really have to prep that much but I like putting in the extra work obviously when I'm presenting and doing the podcast I would kind of take a day out or even start the night before and just doing that but it just all depends you know it's one of those things like I could never say it, um, the weeks are the same because they're definitely not it just all depends on, on how many games now obviously April is the month club month so I should have had um, lots of club matches to go to you because know, club match on a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday. Obviously, nothing there now, so um, it's kind of weird trying to get used to that. And is it true that then you could be going to say one match, but you could be reporting for multiple different organisations and papers? Yeah, because I'm freelance. And um, the good thing is about Longford, um, we do get you know the GA do give. Uh, or, sorry, the national papers do give a, a certain amount of coverage to the lower leagues as well, Longford in Division 3. So if Longford are at home, I would get a good bit of work. I'd get RT online, I'd get the Star, the Sun, the Times, you know, various papers to do it. Sometimes, um, the, a couple of games this year, some of the away games, they might not have had someone at us, so they could get a contact me and say, you go to the Longford game, can you cover that? So that's the good thing about um, the internet. could have a lot of work and a lot of different um, articles to do. Extremely busy on a Sunday, but the good thing is you know, you have the work coming in and you know that, yes, the, the money will be coming in eventually. Like sometimes you mightn't get it for a couple of months, but you do know that in, you know, in the back of your mind that you will have that money sometime soon. Young sports journalists that maybe mightn't be as clever with their money as you have been, um, it's a difficult time for them then if they're l- losing out on 
financials coming in from multiple different organisations? That's it. Now, I sent in invoices. Um, I would have done it February and March. And obviously, newspapers now and radio stations with the revenue, I suppose for radio stations, it's, it's a bit easier because um, they're able to make ads and that in production. But for newspapers, with, with business has gone down now, it's very hard to get ads in. So you mightn't have the money and they mightn't be able to pay you. So that's the one thing that I had noticed is invoices have been sent in and I understand the current situation and um, I haven't received any money yet from um, a number of organisations and I do understand because of the current situation. So for a young person, you know, when you're starting off first, yes, it's nice and you know yourself when you have a new job and you think my first payback and I'll spend it, please don't because you need to save for rainy days. Now I never expected anything like this but having a mother from CAV and it's not a meanness thing is a thriftiness thing and my mother would always say have that extra something there for a rainy day and that's what I have but I, I you know I, I feel for young people who have maybe started off this year getting work and getting money in and now they're waiting for money and they don't know when the money is going to arrive and then just on a match day the um what is the process like say 10 minutes before a match right up until you uh, issue that uh, report into the paper and also after the aftermath of it once people start begin to read it. The thing about it is soccer match is a lot easier. You um you go to a soccer match, you get the team sheet, write in the teams, you know, and do updates and there's not that much really happening. The GA a lot a lot more happens because you'd have you'd have your program there and obviously you'd always have one or two changes before. So you'd have to scribble out and say, oh, by the way, there's one change to the Longford team or two changes to the Roscommon team or whatever, whoever is playing. Um, I would depend if I'm doing it for Paddy Power, then they'd ring me beforehand and ask me what the weather is like and all that. And um, I do updates then on, um, I do a lot of my work for the Longford Eater, my local newspaper. So I would do uh, tw- tweets. So instead of doing scores, um, I'd always kind of put in a bit extra, you know, and how long for they're playing or how the opposition are playing or what the wind is like or, or different things like that because I, I don't like kind of having Point Longford, Point Westmead, Point, you know, like that. I like to kind of, you know, give people who aren't at the game a, a chance to kind of, you know, imagine what the game is like. That's grand during it. But the only problem is then as halftime comes then, I would do up some of my first half report just to have, have it done. Then the second half, obviously, if I'm, as I said, if I'm doing um, Paddy Power, you know, if it's points, that's quite easy. And I love the headphones on when I'm doing that. But you're trying to do then as the game kind of comes to an end, a lot of papers want your report on the whistle. So you're trying to tweet and then you're trying, it's a case of multitasking. The one thing is, don't panic. I would have panicked at the start. No, no, I don't. I just have been saying, listen, just do it. You'll get it done. And um, it has worked over the last while. It depends. You know, some papers might want 351. Some people might, some might want 250. It all depends on what they want. So you have to do different reports. Then some papers might want after match. So it's a case of trying to get the ones that just want full-time reports on the whistle sent off. Then you go down you try and get a manager or a player or something. Get a few quotes. The local paper wants at least 500, 600 words. So you have to spend longer with the manager or player and whoever. The dailies want a few quotes. It's basically up to your final report and put a, a few quotes in and send off. Um, and then it's not over then because then I'd have to come home and then do up my reaction and stuff for the local paper. So match days, especially on Sundays, are 
really long, like if it's a National League game or it's a championship game, yeah, you go into the park, I'd leave here about one o'clock, be in the park for half one. I like to be in the ground at least half an hour beforehand to get my seat, sit down. Um, if it's an away game, a bit longer because trying to sit, get a seat in a press box and if throw-ins for two o'clock then, I might be home till about six o'clock and then it's the case of then starting to do up my, my local work. So it, it can be a long day. So would the papers then be asking you, say, to maybe comment on different players or would you be doing that yourself or would you just, as you say, you don't regularly just go for point for point for point. It's actually describing the game as well as the player. Well, I always say that um, I'm a supporter first, a reporter second. That's me. If I wasn't a game worker, I'd be as a supporter. So anyone that's following me on Twitter, you know, if they're not listening to the local radio, because you might get um, a full match report there, because obviously you've got Roscommon from other places, so they won't do the full match unless it's just a standout game. So I would like to give people um, the opportunity of, if they are there, like how long for the playing, if there's a strong wind, you know, if the moment is playing well, Michael Quinn, you know, if he's reverted back to full back, or the last while now, Michael Quinn has been playing full forward, and Paul Davis has been doing that, so I like to let people know that in the second half, you know, Kevin Diffley has moved into the forward nine, Darren Gallagher now is Michael Quinn in the middle of the park, just, just to let people know a feel of how the game is going, because it's quite hard when you follow Twitter, yes, you might just want the score, but a lot of people kind of want to ask themselves, text at the end of a match, well, how does such a one play, or, or how do we play, I like to kind of say, you know, how long for their playing, and, um, you know, let them visualise how the game is going. And you mentioned your local uh, paper there, the Longford Leader. How are they coping uh, with this present time? It's tough. Um, because I'm freelance and self-employed, I knew as soon as all the games and stuff were called off, that was me gone and I had to make my own way and find out payments and everything myself. Whereas the guys there and the Longford Leader, um, one was let go permanently and then two, um, that I know on the, the, the reporting staff, um, have been temporarily laid off and one of them is the, the sports editor Parik O'Brien uh, who I would get a lot of my work for from you know and it's strange you know picking up the leader and in recent days you know there's been very good news stories the one obviously Stephen Kenny being the Republic of Ireland manager Stephen's first managerial job um, apart from being with, with Pats and that was in the League of Ireland was the Longford Town and that would have been a huge story you know, I would have had a chance to, obviously, Park would have got me to interview Steve and all that. You know, we couldn't do things like that. Um, you know, the paper, you know, you don't realise how much sport plays a part in local news because the paper's so small now, apart from, you know, club notes and a few pictures that they would have had from months gone by of dinner dances and presentations. So it is hard. It is hard for local papers. And obviously you've seen there's a Twitter campaign going around, you know, support your local paper, buy your local paper. And that's what it's all about, because if people can do that now, you know, during these tough times, and I know it is tough, because sometimes there might be much, you know, in the paper that you want to read, but just do it because it will help people like Porik, um, like myself, you know, when all this is over, that we will hopefully have a job to come back to, because that's the worrying thing. We're worried now, because if all local papers are kind of seeing a, a drop in sales and it's not owned by people from Ireland, it's owned by people from across the water, they might say, you know, we, we don't care. Think like So then the GEA season is on a knife edge on a mo at the moment, both in the county and club, whether it's going ahead, it's essential really that the GEA come up with some plan to put on games to give the likes of the Longford leader and the local paper something to report on and keep themselves in business. I suppose for the GEA as well, 
they'll have to liaise with the government and with um, health officials to find out, you know, and ask what the story is with the track. And we know that this lockdown has been extended to the 5th of May, but we don't know if it's going to be extended afterwards. It's actually tough for the GA. I was having a conversation with someone earlier on. The GA is an All-Ireland organisation, but six counties of this island are under the UK jurisdiction. So if the GA says, we're going to have games back, uh, you know, our lockdown is there's an ease and there's going to be games behind closed doors and that. The UK might say, well, no, we're not going to allow those six counties because, you know, they're under the NHS, they're under us. So it's it's, it's going to be hard for the GA how how they're going to, to plan that out. As the months and the weeks have gone by, I am thinking to myself, will there be an inter-county scene? I don't think so. You know, Longford were meant to be out on the 9th of May. That's not going to happen now because, yes, the lads are training by themselves and they've all been given um, little slots and, and um, plans on what to do with themselves. But it's very hard then to get yourself back motivated because you would have been peaking near off the end of the league campaign for a championship. Obviously, they would have been back with the clubs and then full swing into, you know, inter-county for a championship, you know, obviously two weeks beforehand. They're not going to have them two weeks beforehand. So it's going to be quite hard are we going to just maybe have a knockout stage or or what the GEA going to do um listen as the weeks go by as I said I, I just got a feeling that there's not going to be an inter-county but I want to see some sort of GEA and now's the time you know to give the clubs the chance because without the clubs we'll have no inter-county and you know just decide or maybe play the leagues next year and the positions that we all were in and uh, or the divisions that we were all were in and just let this year be the year of the clubs. Does it annoy journalists when uh, you see the less qualified maybe poster boy or girl come along and begin getting gigs that journalists should be getting? It's tough, you know, I was talking to a few of my friends, I had a conversation with a friend of mine last week about this. I went to college. Um, I wanted to do journalism. Actually, I studied radio broadcasting. And that's what I wanted to go into first. And I would do a bit of radio for a local radio station and a few other places. So it was radio uh, broadcasting. It was journalism. That's all I wanted to do. And that's all I've ever really done. And it is tough when you do see people who aren't qualified, people who didn't go through the route that I went through to get it. And also another pet hate of a lot of journalists is People who have full-time jobs also taken up a little bit of work because when I started off first, it was extremely hard. I was just out of college. No one knew me. And to try and get in there, there was people who had full-time jobs also having the bit of the journalism. Now, you know, there's some lovely people out there, and I'm not having a, a dig at anyone, but, you know, you don't see people like me going into a, a hospital and um, trying out as, as a nurse and, and, and other jobs like that. I wouldn't do that because I, that's the, the job I didn't go into. So that is something um, I know there's room for a lot of us out there and everything, but um, it, it, it's something that, that does that does annoy me and it does irk me. And would it be something that the wider journalism community would be kind of looking at and maybe frowning at when it wants to see these people um, establish themselves? No disrespect to the NUJ in Ireland and they do work hard for journalists, but I find they're not as vocal as the union in England. In England for jobs, you have to have an NUJ accredited course and obviously when you're a member of the union, you're treated a lot differently Whereas here in Ireland, it doesn't really give you that much um, that much of a standing uh, or, or a footing, as it say. I pay my dues. I am a member of the NUJ, but but I feel that you know 
and it happened really helped and they happened went out there and kind of said to places you know that jobs should be going to people who have went to college who are in in the union as well you know seeing that we pay going into a union but a lot of places I know actually don't recognise the union so that's another problem as well in Ireland. And would journalists journalists, would it be close-knit? It would now obviously I would have started off more so in soccer um, that's where and I find now it still would be from the games I went to way way back like Paul Ennham, Paul Butner guys like that, Tony O'Donoghue I'd still be very good friends with them and it's lovely having that um, the GA because it's so widespread and you have the national journalists and I'd obviously now in recent years would have known them but not every one of them whereas the soccer ones you would have because it's kind of a, a smaller um, this gang was obviously local wise, yes, I would get on fierce well with the ones in Westmead, I'd get on really well with the Longford guys, uh, with common guys in your local area, you would, and then obviously I would have a few very good friends that uh, would be journal- journalists, but I find the GEA journalists wouldn't be as close to it now as soccer. Some criticism comes in for journalists then, you see the likes of the Tony McCoy interview there just recently, where they actually twisted his words for a headline, for the kind of clickbaity media. Uh, is that something that kind of puts down the actual name of a journalist? I always had this thing that from the start, if I was doing an interview with someone, and even now, even the podcast, it's kind of like a chat. And you have to be careful with people. Yes, you kind of, to say one word, you can make a big story about, about it. And I've often had things been said to me off record, and I could have easily made, made a name for myself. I just don't want to do that. That's just not in my nature. And I know a few people around here. And the thing about it is, if you do that, players, managers, sports people, they won't have any respect for you. They won't They won't trust you. They won't want to do an interview with you. So you have to be so careful and things like that. That is tough because I remember working in a certain place and someone made a comment about a player and the whole team wouldn't, do the, wouldn't talk to the place. And I had to try and say, well, listen, I'm you, it's not my work. And that's the one thing, because if one person does it, it does give whatever publication or it does give the, the journalist a bad name. So you have to be so careful. Um, I know myself, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing interviews, I'm recording interviews, I will go back and back. And even if I can't make out a word, then I would kind of say, well, do you know what? I will leave that out. Because it's so easy to do that and it's so easy to twist words around and make a big story for yourself. But at the end of the day, you know, you're going to be remembered for, you know, you know, bringing someone down or, or being smart to someone. You're not going to be remembered for a very good interview you've done or, or the journalist that you are. And at the moment, obviously, there's some absolutely brilliant journalists out there. Who would be your top three that you'd kind of read or follow? Top three. Um, I love Dermot Crow. Dermot from the Indo. I um, have always liked him. Another person would be Care O'Kane. Care is with the Irish News and I find that Care talks like what everyone else is saying and thinking, care puts it out. And um I suppose I see my friends and I have to be very careful with it. Um obviously I like Jason Byrne, Jason's from Donegal. Um I like Marie Crow as well. Um but if I had to obviously Dermot and Care will be too and Care definitely and if anyone does get the opportunity, the Irish News is a fantastic um newspaper. It's um up in Belfast and um, it, it covers a wide range of sport and a lot of the journalists there just say as they're thinking and a lot of us are thinking as well. So um, I would advise people, you know, to follow them. 
And finally, Dee, before we go, can you give us two sports stars that you wish to interview over the next 12 months? Um, I suppose um, bringing in, bringing in my, my own sport and everything. And um, as a, kind of a Celtic Liverpool fan, I would love to sit down with um, Kenny Dalglish. I just think Kenny Dalglish has just had a remarkable career, um, you know, as a player, as a manager. Um, I would just love to, you know, and he's kind of remembered, you know, fondly by both Celtic and Liverpool fans. Another one was when I was growing up, I loved Charlie Redmond. And um, I remember telling Pearl Jack, she nearly got the Longford job that, you know, he was down the pecking order as my favourite player in the play for Dublin. I love Charlie Redmond and Charlie has been through an awful lot and I've seen, I've read interviews with him and everything and I would love just to sit down, not even to do an interview, just to have a chat with him because he just seems like a remarkable man and I just admired him so much. Those things. You put me on the spot now because I suppose if I had time to think, but just offhand, just probably, yeah, Kelly Dugleash and... Um, so kind of bring in the two sports, Kenny Dugleash and um, Charlie Redmond. <laughs>